With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From coast to coast and around the world, you're going online with Bill Alexander. Online with Bill Alexander is a guest-driven program where the topics are diverse and entertaining. Laugh and learn while you listen to one of the best hours of online radio around. Online with Bill Alexander. Hi, everyone. Yours truly, William Eric Alexander. My friends call me Bill, and you're online with Bill Alexander here at WMCK.FM and also at italknet.com as we broadcast live from the Phil Giannetti Motor Studios high atop High Street in Brownsville, Pennsylvania. If you're looking for a quality pre-owned vehicle, give Chip a call. The phone number is 724-785-6800 or stop by his website, philgiannettimotors.com. Com. Well, on the phone line tonight, we're going to be talking to an author who is a traveler by nature, and he is writing uh, satirical humor in the, uh, let's see, in, in the guise of a travel book, I guess you could say that. And let me read a little bit of his bio to you. Brett Robbins is an avid world traveler who has globetrotted through... Uh, through over 40 countries, he has a passionate interest in foreign cultures, history, and satirical humor. This is his first novel, novel, and you can visit him at brettrobbinsauthor.com. And the book that he wrote is called The Perfect Culture. On the phone line, we have Brent. Brent, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing real good. So give us a little bit of background of who you are. Right. So I've been traveling a lot since I was around 20 years old. I started my journey as a basically a study abroad student. I studied up in the north of England my third year of college, and that was pretty much when I got hooked on travel. There was a lot of opportunity to travel around Europe during uh, the school breaks. They were a little longer than they are here, so there was a lot of opportunity to explore Europe there. And I just pretty much got addicted to travel at that point. Uh, after college, I went and taught English in Asia for a bit, uh, a couple of years in South Korea, about uh, three and a half months in Japan, and then there as well, uh, when I was between contracts or after I finished, I did quite a bit of travel through the, the Asian region, many countries there. And then pretty much um, I didn't travel for a little bit when I went back to school. And then since I started working full time again in 2011, I've been taking about one international trip a year. So I still continue to do some travel. So I've made it to six continents so far and over 40 countries. Had a lot of very interesting experiences. Which is interesting to me because um, I interviewed an author a while back who did a, a travel book. And as part of that interview, I told her, I said, it's hard enough for me to get out of the out of the state that I live in, let alone going <laughs> around the world, because to me, it just seems so cumbersome to be able to get from point A to point B in 2020. Hard for me to say that now, but for in 2020, instead of like it was in the uh, 40 and 50 years ago. But um, for people like you, I think it's amazing that you have you're able to just to drop everything and just go and be able to go on these places, not only to travel, but also to work. Right, right. Yeah, I would say that's true. There are, are certain kinds of people who who like to do it and, and others who don't. So. 
So, so what made you want to write a book? Well, I wanted to share my experiences uh, with a wider audience, not just the people whom I speak to every day in my daily life. So I thought that a novel would be a good way to be able to share these experiences with more people. And the book was just released uh, this past year. Now, um, how well is the book selling? Uh, I would say there have been some sales. Okay. Uh, not a bestseller at this point, but uh, yep, there have been some sales. <laughs> now, when you when you write a book like this, how much of you do you actually put into it? I would say there's quite a bit. Uh, the protagonist in the novel, I would say, is quite similar to me in a lot of respects. I didn't make everything exactly the same if it made for a better story, so... Uh, in his case, he had never left the state, his home state, before he went to Europe, because I thought that made a better story. Now, that was not true in my case. Okay. So I did change some things. But the basic character of the protagonist, I think, is pretty similar to myself. I'm pretty much writing from my point of view, uh, for the most part, I would say. Mm-hmm. Now, I find it interesting, and, and I don't want to offend anybody that lives in Indiana, um, why do you <laughs> choose the state of Indiana? Because it's just so, let's say, plain? And there really isn't much there, and you need to get that that character from a very um, humdrum-type lifestyle and have him travel the world to experience things he's never experienced before? Yeah, I would say that's part of it. I mean, I'm originally from Ohio, and I I live in Ohio now again, so I am from the Midwest. So I thought uh, I should write about somewhere in the Midwest. That's what I'm the most familiar with. Okay. Um, I guess, honestly... Honestly, I do tend to be a bit more on the left side of the political spectrum, so I guess I, I wanted to pick a red state to pick on a little bit if I'm going to be very honest. Okay. Um, so, yeah, Indiana seems to be a choice. And, yeah, it's a little timely, I guess, for, for obvious reasons. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I found it interesting. In the first chapter, there's a uh, there's a uh, line in there when the professor asks the uh, – the class, why do we study history? And one young lady raised her hand immediately and said, so we don't become communists. Now, the book pl- takes place in 2015. When did you actually mm-hmm. write the book? I started writing around 2014, I believe. Yeah. So, so it was pretty much... So it was sure, before the political... Um, things that we're dealing with right now. So when did you finish the book? Right, right. I would say I finished the first draft around 2017, and then after that there were still edits, but yeah. Mm -hmm. So when when you tell people you're traveling around the world, do they question you why you're going out of that comfort zone of the United States? You're referring to, like, Americans specifically? Right. Or... Because I know whenever you go uh, to the Middle East and, and, and places like that, because you, you were in uh, Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan and uh, the other place you've been, mm-hmm. do people just look at you going, why are you going there? Yes, yeah, I have gotten quite a bit of that. And I was told by some coworkers at the time that I was crazy and that I was going to a very dangerous place, which I don't think is true. But yes, I would okay. definitely say I get some of that. Is it they think it's dangerous because they don't know where it's at, or they're just lumping everything together in that part of the world? Yeah, I think there's a tendency for people to to do that to lump together places. And if there's 
people just are generally not very familiar with the stands. It's not a place that is really active on the international stage or gets a lot of press coverage. So people just are not really familiar with that area. So they assume that it must be dangerous for some reason. Mm-hmm. Now, when you go to places and um, and you write the book or you write your blog and everything else, are there certain things you're looking to write about? Yeah, I would say for this novel, I focused on three places that are very quirky. Uh, all three, France, Japan, and Israel, very, very unique cultures, very quirky. Uh, quirky places are just easier to write about. Okay. The country is more... Toward the normal side, there's, it's a little harder to come up with material. Mm-hmm. Now, whenever you write, especially when we think about France, um, and this is from what we've seen in movies and, and other people that have gone there and other people, the way we've, we've been portrayed is that we're the, um, we're the Americans, we're not very smart, we uh, don't have any uh-huh. culture. We go over there and we assume we know everything, but yet we know nothing. And the French people just look at us and laugh. Is that true? I think that is true to some extent, uh, especially in Paris. Okay. I think if you go if you go to the southern part of France, it's a very different feel. But I think that is true to some extent, and uh, I do portray that a little bit in the novel. Now, um, because the uncultured American, and and have you noticed the same thing in the Asian countries, too? Not as much. Generally, I think the feeling about the U.S. is more positive in the Asian countries. They might not necessarily like the politics of the U.S. government in some places, but in terms of their view of just the Americans as people, it's generally, I would say, quite a bit more positive. I don't feel like they look down on us as much as they might in some places in Europe. Now, of the three that are in this book that you've gone to, which is your favorite one? Well, uh, my background is Jewish, so I think I'm pretty biased on that one. Okay. Uh, definitely Israel would be my favorite of the three. Mm-hmm. And um, when, you, when you took this character to Israel, did he see all the places that we would consider that that thing you had to look at that triptych or or where you needed to go that the the normal tourism places or did you take him places that were off the beaten path no i wouldn't say that he went off the beaten path too much um mostly in ter- i mean he, he spends time working volunteering on a kibbutz which i guess is a little bit off the beaten path but in terms of the tourism part he's it's focused on tel aviv and jerusalem and those are certainly common places where right. tourists would go and when he went to uh when he went to japan now what did he see when he was there so he's living in kyoto which is the old imperial capital so there's a ton of history in kyoto that was pretty much why i, I picked that as kind of the focus uh, he does travel to Tokyo a little bit, but most of the tourism is focused on temples in Kyoto and the Geisha district. And then he teaches English there, which is what I did, as I mentioned. So I, I do talk a bit, a bit about that, uh, what it's like to teach students in Japan. And then I, I talked about the karaoke in Japan as well, since I experienced that. And that's kind of interesting. Now, with with this um, this book, now, how long has it been available for sale? About two and a half months. Two and a half months. Okay. So yeah. when when you when you 
did this. Did you publish it yourself, or did you go through your own uh, publisher for it? I published it myself. Okay. Um, now, the one question I've asked a lot of authors recently when I've had them on the program, if I would have told you 10 years ago you'd be able to publish your own book, did you think it would be possible? No, no, definitely not. Was, it's been a huge sea change. Was it more difficult, or was it easier than you thought it would be? In terms of the actual publishing? Yeah. Uh, the actual process of putting your book out there I don't think is is too difficult. Maybe that was slightly easier than I thought it would be. Uh, actually, being able to, to market your book and get people to buy it who don't know you, that's the more difficult aspect, I would say. Yeah, that's the one thing I've been hearing uh, um, people having difficult time is actually promoting and marketing the book itself. Um, when you, when right. you look at these books, have you looked about what you're going to write about next, or are you just going to sit back and see what this one does, or have you started something already? I have started something already. Uh, I'm working now on more of just a straightforward travel memoir, so this is nonfiction. Okay. Uh, can't hide behind any character, so that's what I'm working on now, yeah. Now, are you looking at going overseas, or are you keeping it the United States or North America or something like that, or is it just going to be about everywhere? The memoir is focused on my travels, so okay. uh, I can talk about more places than uh, than I did in the novel, yeah. Now, when you talk to people about travel and where you've gone and what you've seen, have a lot of the people accepted what you've done, or are they just ignorant about it, going, oh, okay, that's where he went? Do they understand that how significant these places are in history or in the development of a country or a world? I think that really depends whom you're talking to. Um, it's really a range. There are people who are ignorant about where you've gone, there are also people who have a big appreciation. So I, I just really think it varies. Yeah. Now, of the places you've gone, where has been your most favorite? Right. So in Europe, my two favorites are Italy and Sweden. Uh, Italy is just fantastic. I mean, the food is great. The weather is nice. There's great history in Rome. There's art in Florence. Uh, it's just a really nice place to travel. I like Sweden as well. Uh, it's very clean, very organized. The people are quite nice. Um, it's very easy to travel there. Everyone speaks English. Um, uh, Stockholm is a very beautiful city. So those are my two favorites in Europe. Outside of Europe, uh, Israel would be one of my favorites just because it does overlap with my background right. quite a bit. So I feel pretty comfortable there. Uh, I like Thailand a lot in Asia. Thailand is really interesting. The food is excellent. The weather is nice. Uh, tons of interesting things to see there. It's a Buddhist country, so there's lots of Buddhist temples. Uh, the north has opportunities for trekking. The capital has, has tons of things to do. There's lots of beaches. So, yeah, I mean, you can spend weeks and weeks there. Mm -hmm. What got you involved with, with traveling like this? I mean, I can understand going here or there every once in a while, but being able to take an international trip every year, what, what got you hooked on that? Well, I would say that experience of my junior year abroad is pretty much what got me addicted. I just loved it, seeing all these different places. And so after I finished my bachelor's degree, I wanted to see Asia, so I did the teaching English mm -hmm. experience. I mean, now, part of the reason why I can take a trip every year is I don't really have a lot of commitments. 
Um, I'm not married. I don't have any kids, so I do have quite a bit of freedom. So that does make it pretty easy to take an international trip every year. Now, I noticed that uh, this past year you went to Iceland. Is that a little bit more right. of a... I mean, that doesn't sound as um, challenging as where you've gone before, since that's more of a tourist stop now. What made you decide to go to Iceland? Right. Um, I was interested in the history quite a bit. Uh, I've watched all of the seasons so far of the TV show Vikings. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but that's a kind of historical fiction. That's uh-huh. been, um, so I really found that fascinating, learning about the Vikings, and I wanted to see some of that. And I knew that Iceland was famous for a lot of great scenery, um, waterfalls, and it's known for its landscapes. A lot of Game of Thrones was filmed there. So I still thought Iceland had a lot to offer, even though it is more of a common tourist place. The trip that I took, we went to the less touristed areas of Iceland, so it wasn't really mobbed with tourists and the parts that we were in. But you are correct that it was definitely an easier place to go than some of the other countries that I've gone to. Yeah. Now, what? where have you gone where you were not happy where the trip, I mean, where you went, where it was not what you anticipated being? So in terms of like the shorter trips, that I've taken. Sure. Um, I don't think there's any place that I was really strongly dissatisfied with. I usually travel with this Australian backpacking company called Intrepid Travel. Um, they travel in small groups of maximum 12 to 16, okay. and they really emphasize the local culture. So just about every trip with Intrepid is, has been really great. There's only one trip that there were some things that weren't as good, but still overall was the Pretty good trip. So there's nowhere that I've been extremely unhappy. I mean, there are countries that I couldn't see myself living in because I don't really feel like I it's a good fit for me. So there were those aspects where I, I said to myself, no, I wouldn't want to live here. But I certainly didn't mind spending a week or two and, and seeing what those places had to offer. Now, you say you go with this back this backpacking group. Do, do you go as an individual or do you go with someone else or is it just with this these random people that you meet up with this uh the back uh packing group yeah it's pretty much uh random people that i meet up with so you start off at the hotel somewhere and they tell you where to to go and then the trip pretty much starts from there like i said the groups are maximum 12 or 16 so i've met quite a few interesting people doing these trips but yeah i just go by myself Mm-hmm. Now, the website you have, which is uh, Brett Robbins Author, um, what the purpose of the site is, of course, to sell your book, but what else are you planning on using the website for? Uh, it's just to give people a, a good idea about me, who I am, and why I wrote the book. It's, it's good to have your own website. It gives you a lot of freedom to put different kinds of content on there. Um, for example interviews can be put as an mp3 file uh, samples from the audiobook uh, a book trailer which i plan on doing soon i could load that on there so just give people a, a good idea about me and and the book yeah so how you, you do one international trip a year now do you do other trips throughout the year or do you just wait till that one big trip mostly just the international trip i may on occasion visit friends in different places okay. but it's mostly just the international trip mm-hmm. Because um, one thing, like I said before, that a lot of people are um, apprehensive about is going on a trip is because 
it's it's just picking up and leaving and going somewhere where you're not familiar in in a person like you I think the unfamiliarity is what actually gets you going because you want to see it. You want to experience. Have you been to um, certain places more than once? Uh, Not a lot. I did go to Eastern Europe a few years ago with Intrepid Travel, and there was a little bit of overlap between that trip and where I backpacked as a college student. So I went to Vienna for the second time and Prague for the second time. But I try not to go to the same place twice, so there hasn't been too much of that. And with the uh, political unrest that's over in that part of the world, have you worried about your safety? Are you talking about in Europe? Yeah, or, or it, 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 when, you were in, when you were in Israel or, or in uh, Asia or the uh, stands or anywhere in that area? No, I don't think I've ever been anywhere where I was, really really worried about my safety israel doesn't really have a lot of street crime so okay. the only main threat is terrorist bombings the, the chance of being hit by that is pretty small i don't think i would go to israel during a time when they're actively involved in a war but they weren't at that time i haven't gone to places like you know iraq or afghanistan so i haven't gone anywhere where there's an actual war a lot of fighting going on okay. so i haven't been anywhere where i've been too worried so pretty much you're you're going where where there's a group where they actually have you uh, scouted out the area. They know what what downfall may be there, and they they work with you as best they can. Right, right, and that's another reason why I travel with Intrepid. I would never go to Uzbekistan or Kazakhstan by myself. I, I would find that pretty scary. But going there and having a local guide, somebody who knows the place knows the culture uh, it really helps a lot yeah i was going to ask you if you'd ever try doing that by yourself and and trying to assimilate into culture and stuff like that but yeah i guess in, traveling in europe by myself i think would be quite easy or australia places okay. like that or even iceland I, I guess i could have done it by myself if i wanted to but i do like a lot of the benefits of traveling with intrepid and i guess the experience of teaching english in korea maybe was a little bit more of an assimilation experience since I was living there rather than just right. stopping by for a week or two. Yeah. So you you taught in in Japan and where else did you teach? Uh, South Korea. South Korea. Um, actually, I have a, a friend of mine who's actually teaching English in South Korea right now. Um, and it's very interesting hearing her reports of assimilating into the culture, which was very tough the first few months because it was like being thrown into a place where no one, you don't know anything about anyone and uh, trying to uh, navigate a new land. And it was very interesting hearing from her, but I was wondering if you had that same thing too, that you had this learning curve that you had to figure out um, where everything was, were you able to speak the language? Um, And, I mean, most of them do speak English, I guess, but were you able to talk to a lot of people that didn't speak English? Were you able to communicate? No. If they didn't speak a lot of English, then I couldn't uh, communicate with them very much. I learned a little Korean, but uh, I was teaching a lot, so I didn't have a lot of time to study, and it's a pretty difficult language to learn. But, like you said, a lot of people there do speak English. There was some learning curve there, but I don't think it was that difficult. I think South Korea is fairly westernized, and uh, it actually seemed easy after Japan, believe it or not. Oh, really? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So you told me that you're going to be writing, um, you're working on your own memoirs right now of your own, of where you've traveled. And what are some of the places you're going to be talking about in the new book? I'll be definitely talking quite a bit about the places I've lived. So I'll definitely be talking about my experience studying in England and teaching in South Korea and Japan. I studied Spanish for a few months in Peru, so I'll discuss that as well. And I'll, I'll also talk about a lot of the places I've traveled to. So I just think the memoir format will give me a chance to touch on some more places that I wasn't able to uh, talk about in the novel. When you move to these places, do people accept you, or are they very suspicious of who you are and why you're there? So you're talking about places where I, I've lived? Where in? you've lived, yeah. Yeah, I really think that depends where you go. Uh, I wouldn't say they were... I mean, England is a little different from the U.S., but not radically different. Right. Uh, you, I did deal with some of the stereotypes of Americans, but that's not really a radically different place to go. Uh, South Korea, they're pretty hospitable, so I didn't feel like they were really all that suspicious of me. Uh, Japan can be a little bit of a challenge in some ways. Uh, the people can be quite reserved. So I guess that's probably the place where I felt people were the most suspicious. It's not really like an in-your-face suspicion, but mm -hmm. it's kind of a little bit of a, a hidden one. Yeah. How many years were you, or how long were you in Japan when you lived there? Three and a half months. And then how about uh, South Korea? Two years. Two years. Okay. So that, to me, that's just amazing that you're able to pick up and leave and be able to do something like that. But again, as I said earlier, it's the personality and the type of individuals that's able to do that. Um, so, right. So Brent, the website is brentrobbinsauthor.com. And on the site, it talks about the book. You're also offering a, um, a, a page where it's buy it now or try it free where they can actually read an excerpt of the book to get an idea if they like it or not. And you have some bonus material that you're going to be offering in a newsletter? Yeah, if you sign up for the newsletter, then you receive the bonus pack. Okay. Uh, the bonus pack has some useful things like foreign words in the book. And I, I just threw in a few pages of the very first draft just to show how it changed. I thought some people might find that interesting. Oh, okay. And there's some interesting facts about the less famous places in the novel. So, yeah, that's correct. Well, that, again, it's the from what I was able to read so far, the book is fascinating. And I'm very impressed with uh, with the way you took it about a character from Indiana, a college student who wanted to go see the world, um, a very apprehensive uh, college student that wanted to see the world, which again, I think is very interesting. And um, I really appreciate you spending time with us on the program today. And I will put a link to your website on my page so um, the listening audience can find the book and uh, hopefully uh, pick it up and uh, we can talk again in the near future. Sounds great. Thanks so much for having me on. Brent, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. And uh, you have a great rest of your evening. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Brent Robbins and his uh, his new book that has uh, just been recently, recently released. I can uh, talk here right now. That's called The Perfect Culture. It's available at Amazon. There's a Kindle version of the book also. And you'll be able to get that. As I said, I'll share that in my description of the podcast and also on my website. So hopefully you'll be able to uh, take a look at that and uh, give a shout out to Brent and stop by his website, Brent Robbins Author. 
www.thebigfatsmile.com. So uh, that's it for tonight. I hope you enjoyed the show. Those of you watching us online, I hope you enjoyed that too. We'll be back in next week. If I could pronounce the woman's name properly, I will share it with you. Unfortunately, I can't say it. Hopefully by next week I will, because we have a guest on Monday night on the 6th. Um, her name is Jasmine, and the last name is what I have a difficult, but she's from Australia, and we'll be talking to her. And what makes it interesting is she is a Playboy Playmate in Australia. So she'll be, we'll be going down under next week and, uh, it will be a very interesting, uh, <laughs> a very interesting interview next week. And as I said, um, and I'm going to pull it up again. Let me see if I, I'll, I'll try it. Maybe you can help me out, uh, on how to pronounce her name. But again, it, it's one of those names where, of course, when you're from Western Pennsylvania, you, uh, <laughs> You, you don't learn these things, but it's Playboy model Jasmine Sodai. It's S-H-O-J-A-I, and she'll be on our program next week at 10 p.m. on Monday, January 6th. We'll talk to her, and uh, hopefully we'll enjoy that interview, too. Thank you very much for talk, stopping by tonight as we talk to Brett Robbins about his new book, The Perfect Culture, here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander, here on WMCK.FM and also on Fayette TV, Channel 77, and we're also streaming live at italknet.com. And don't forget to stop by our friends at Phil Giannetti Motors, providing quality vehicles for over 52 years. Wow, long time as he's providing quality vehicles. Give Chip a call at 724-785-6800. Again, that's 724-785-6800. Or stop by his website, philgiannettimotors.com. Well, that's going to wrap up a program for tonight, guys. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And we'll talk to you next time here online with yours truly, Bill Alexander. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.